1.1 says, In the beginning, the living expression was already there, and the living expression was with God, yet fully God. Talking about Jesus. So we're going through the, the Gospel of John, and we're just hitting the highlights. You know, I would encourage you, this might be an idea. I heard of somebody that was doing this, and I thought, well, what a great idea. You should just read the Gospel of John while we're doing this series. You know? Dane and I have been doing it. We've been reading. We're actually, we just are about finished with John 17. And we just read a little bit every night, you know, before bed. It's good to kind of fill your heart and head with, you know, something good before you go to bed. Certainly don't watch the news before you go to bed. Yeah, yeah, anyway, we won't go there. But anyway, um, it'd be good to just read through the Gospel of John and see what kind of highlights you have. Okay? So... I, I'm just, you know, again, I, I, I'm going to give us the liberty here that, that you know, we're, we're kind of, I've been going on a progression, and, and I'm probably going to just touch on something from chapter 6 and 7 today, but I'm not saying we won't ever backtrack and hit something that's, you know, that, that's passed, because if Pastor Stephen has a message that's, you know, in chapter 3 or something, he can do that, okay? But I, right now, um, I read through chapter 6 and 7 this last week. In chapter 6, you know, Jesus was feeding uh, the 5,000 men plus women and children. And, uh, you know, it was interesting to me that the disciples were aware of the people's need for food. Did you ever become aware of your need for food? Yeah, preacher, you know, usually about 5 to noon when you're still preaching, I'm very aware of food. <laughs> All right, me too. And Jesus was as well, but, you know, Jesus had a different perspective on how that need was going to be met. Have you ever noticed that, that your perspective of how the need is going to be met sometimes is different than what Jesus' perspective is? You know, and let's hold on. He's got a good way. Just, just you know, we won't micromanage. We're just going to keep our hearts set. You know, you read through John 6 and you find that, that whole episode that happens. And then Jesus walked on the water. Peter walked on the water. was cool. And then it goes into a long uh, discourse about Jesus being the bread of life. And honestly, it was, it was a message that didn't go over well with the multitude. And they all left him. Did you ever read that story? Jesus preaching, and they all left. Jesus turned to his disciples and says, hey, you guys going to take off too? And they said, no, you, you're the only one that has the, the words of life, you know, the bread of life, and we're sticking. So then in John chapter 7, I'm going to come back, but in John chapter 7, well, what stood out to me is the highlight when I read it, you know, and there's other things it could be, be spoken about, but what stood out to me was Jesus telling about the promise of the Holy Spirit, Okay, and, and, and uh, we'll read the verse that stood out to me, but, but I just wanted to say that, that. So I'm sitting there looking at John 6 and John 7, and what came to my heart as I was looking at it is eating and drinking, eating and drinking. And in John 6, you know, it talked about Jesus being the bread of life. And, of course, he fed the 5,000 and all that. And then in John 7, it talked about the Holy Spirit and how and, and drinking the, 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 the Spirit of God and, and the river that's in you and all this. Um, just a couple verses that stood out. Can I read a couple verses? And then we're going to talk this morning for a few minutes. John 6, 35, Jesus said to them, I'm the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. 
Then I like this in verse 63. He says, the words that I'm speaking to you, the spirit and life. You know, there's something to the words that Jesus speaks. There's something to the words that God highlights to you. I mean, they're, they're powerful. They're spirit. They have substance. Then in John 37, again, I wanted to read this. This is, this is what stood out in John 7 to me. On that last day, the great, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Isn't that something? Then he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Wow, what a picture is that? Then he, he spoke this concerning the spirit whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. See, that's, that's, it's like the defining thing of the New Testament. I mean, the new birth is probably the defining thing, but, but, but because of the new birth, the spirit of the living God comes and lives on the inside of us. You know, it, it, we won't go too far in this, but, you know, you'll read this in the book of Acts, that he not only came to live in people like you and me that get saved, but he sat upon us too. He came upon, his presence comes upon us. I like it. In us and upon us. You know, it's like Dana and I have a habit that normally on the weekend, one of the days, we make pancakes. And Dana does her pancakes her way, but, but when I make my pancakes, I like blueberry pancakes. And what I do is I take a handful of blueberries, and I cut them in half so they're just more juicy somehow in my mind. And, 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 and I, I put my blueberries inside the pancakes, you know? So they're just like, they actually turn the batter a little blue in places, and it's so good. But then when I get them on the plate, I take the leftover blueberries, because I always grab more than I need, and I put them on top. I like my blueberries in the pancakes and on the pancakes. <laughs> and you see, the Holy Spirit, he comes in us, but he also comes on us, in and on. You'll have to talk to Dana about how she likes her pancakes. But anyway, <laughs> same can be done with chocolate chips, but I happen to use blueberries. But anyway, eating and drinking is essential for life. Eating and drinking is essential for life. You know, Dana and I, we like to watch, you know, survival shows we're Survivor fans, okay? We like it. And that's always the thing. What are you going to eat and what are you going to drink? You know? It isn't all the other things become secondary. How are we going to survive? Eating and drinking is essential. You know, I, 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 does this fit in? I'll just say this. Last Sunday, I was, getting, I was coming into church. Like, I, I have a routine. I come in. I check on... The worship's going on. I like to walk by the sound booth, check on Kyle or whoever's there. And, and um, goodness, we got a full crew up there today. Good, guy, good job. <laughs> and and my, I was flipping my iPad on, 
to, to you know, have my notes in there and stuff. And, and, and my iPad went totally dead. And, you know, you ever have that electronics? You know, I think we had some experiences with the mics this morning, you know. Thank God for electronic things that when they work, they're great. But, but you know, open that thing and here, you know, of all times in the week, just before you're going to preach, the only thing worse I could see is if it was like before a wedding or something like that. But, but, but you know, I remember I had to pull out my iPhone and, and use the, the little version. And I had to go like that a few times to check it because whatever. So when I got home on, on Sunday last week and we were eating lunch, um, I, I pulled out on the Internet and I, I pulled up a YouTube and I just saw what do you do when your iPad dies. And what it took was a, a hard reset. A hard reset. So all you had to do is push the two buttons simultaneously for quite a longer time than I thought I'd have to. And all of a sudden, whoo, it started coughing and spitting and it came back to life. And I was like, wow, praise the Lord. You know, sometimes as a Christian, I need a hard reset. I need a hard reset. I mean, you know, I, I, I need, you know, like in line with what we're talking about today, I need to eat and drink. I need to go back to the basic things that, that just matter. And, and uh, I want to talk just for a few minutes about eating and drinking this morning because that's what I picked up out of the Gospel of John this week. That's what I saw, the words of Jesus and the revelation that John was sharing about him was our need to eat and drink. So... Jesus said, I am the bread of life. What an interesting statement. And he got, he got flack for that. He got, it was controversial that he said that. The bread of life. But, but let me tell you, folks, you need to eat. You need to eat Jesus' words. You need to eat the, the, the spiritual bread of life. Colossians 3, 16 and 17. It says this. It says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord and whatever you do in word or deed do all in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through him you and I need regular fillings of the word of God I'm saying this, you need to eat the word on a regular basis, okay? I used to be real legalistic about this as a, a newborn believer. I had a system I went through, and every day I read 10 chapters out of the Bible. I don't do that anymore, okay? I don't read 10 chapters every single day. I did that until I went to Bible school, and then uh, working full-time and going to Bible school full-time, I found I just didn't have time to read 10 chapters every day. You know, and it's not a bad thing to do. You can read through the Bible, I think it's three or four times in a year, reading that many chapters every day. And, and that's what I was doing. And I did that for a good couple years. But I find that I, even though I don't read 10 chapters a day, I, it's better I just need to eat some of the Word of God. And the, the older I get, it seems this, I'm not so much after quantity as I am quality. You hear? So I, I, I make it more of a purpose that I'm just going to get something from the word that fills my tank today. Okay, do you, you follow me? So I do different things throughout the day, and I just kind of get something on the inside. You see, the word that does you good is the word that's in your heart. Okay? 
The word that'll do you good is the word that's in your heart. Be full of the word. One preacher said this. He says, you need to be so full of the word of God that when the devil comes around, you'll burp in his face. Okay? What are you full of today? Everybody's full of something. Be full of the word of God. Jeremiah 15, 16. What are we talking about today? We're talking about eating and drinking. Essential things of life. Okay? Jeremiah 15, 16. This is so classic. Jeremiah said this. He says, your, your words were found and I ate them. And I ate them. And your word was to me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. For I'm called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. You see, this isn't just some duty. You know, again, I'm watching these survivor shows. I never see them like with a checklist. Well, I, I, I got to do this because it's on my list. I got to do it today. I got to eat. You know, all I got is rice, but I got to eat today. No, no, they do it because they're like, they realize they need the nutrition. They need the substance. Eating God's word. Getting something in your tank. Are you out there this morning? What you eat, you become one with. What you eat, you become one with. What you eat, you become one with. That's why I never eat nerds. <laughs> what you eat, you become one with. You know, when you eat something, it's very difficult to separate that from you because it just goes all over your body, you know. I don't understand how it all works, but I'm telling you what, it gets in me. It becomes part of me. Jesus said this in John 15 and verse 7. He said, uh, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you'll ask what you desire and it'll be done for you. Isn't that, that is just so fantastic. It's almost like, you know, your eyes pop out, your mouth drops open. You go, wow, did Jesus, did you really say that? He said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you'll ask what you will. It'll be done for you. Have your tank full of the word. Sometimes why prayers don't get answered is because they're, they're prayed from a place of fear of circumstances instead of a place of being full of the word. This is like ABCs this morning, but it's essential. It's essential stuff. Are you hearing me? Do you get that? See, sometimes we pray too quick. Ha! Sometimes we pray too quick because we're in this frenzy. And I'm not, don't get me wrong. It's never wrong to call out on God, Okay? And he hears you when you pray. I mean, we've had those prayers where it looks like we're going to have an accident or something or go off the road and we go, Jesus! And miraculously, somehow we've been saved. I mean, I've, I can tell you numerous times that's happened. It's usually Dana that's screaming. But, but, um, <laughs> but it works. 
But I'm telling you, sometimes you can pray too quick. Sometimes it would be better to just settle down and say, well, what does God have to say about it? Most times, you can afford to do that. And most times, you'd be better off to do that. You know, again, you don't need to memorize a whole chapter or, 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 you know, know a bunch of intellectual things about the Word. Nothing wrong with that. But what I'm talking about right now is getting it in your heart and in your mouth, okay? If there's an area that you're facing in life right now, find out what the Word says about it. Find out, probably I would say this, find out from the New Testament, okay? Find out from the New Testament perspective, what, what, what does it say about what I'm facing right now? Spend enough time that it gets on the inside of you. Do you know you can tell when it gets on the inside of you? Do you know that when you eat natural food, you can tell when it gets inside you? You can tell when you're full. You know, we had, we had some uh, Asian food the other day, and I was like, it's, it's one of my favorites. And boy, I got done eating. I was like, wow, I am full. This is, this is, I don't want anything else. You can tell when the word of God gets in you. You can tell when your tank is getting full. You know? You can tell when there's, an, there's something on the inside of you. There's that substance in you that makes you stand up and say, yes, it's who I am. I won't be moved. Um. Staying full, eating and drinking, eating and drinking. Ephesians 5, 15. I'm going to talk a little bit about drinking. Um, honestly, you know, I kind of grew up in Christianity, you know, back in the 70s and into the 80s. And they called it, there was like this, this move, you know, on the earth back then in Christian realms, and it was, they called it the word movement. Anybody ever hear that? You know, that's, that's kind of where my early roots were, you know, and the word movement. And I remember even back then, and I've read it since, there's a man named Smith Wigglesworth. Did you ever hear of Smith Wigglesworth, the man? And, and, and um, he prophesied he prophesied many years ago, decades ago. I forget when Smith passed away. I think it was like in the 40s or something, and, and, um, of 1940s. And, and uh, he had prophesied while, he, you know, while living, you know, that there would come a day on the earth where there, he, you know, he actually called out this movement of the word, that there'd just be a real emphasis on God's word. And he said that there'd come a time after that when there'd be an emphasis on the Spirit and the Word. And he said that would be the most powerful thing. They would shake things on this earth. Folks, we need both. We need the Word of God. And we need the Spirit of God. As a matter of fact, my most productive times of eating the Word of God... Or when I acknowledge the Holy Spirit and say, help me see what I need to see. You know, sometimes I like to read different Bible translations. You know, sometimes people have said, what's your favorite? I would say this, the Holy Spirit. Reading them in the Holy Spirit. Because he makes things alive. 
He brings things to life. He, he makes it stand out. Do you know what I'm talking about? Sometimes you're reading along and all of a sudden it's almost like it goes in neon lights or something. Like, whoa, look at that. You know, it really doesn't do that, just in case you're wondering. But it's kind of like that, you know? It's similar. And it goes, whoa. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's it. You know, Dane and I will read devotionals in the morning usually. And when we're done, a lot of times what we'll say is, what stood out to you? What did you grab hold of? And then we'll usually take communion after that, and we'll, we'll take our communion based on what stood out to us. And we do the same thing at night, you know, usually. We're not legalistic. Remember, if we ever miss a day, we're, we're going to be okay. But usually that happens. And, and, and uh, so in Ephesians 5, verse 15, the Apostle Paul writing, he said, See that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but wise. That's always, that's good advice already. Don't be a fool, be wise. Paul said, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Now, he wrote this 2,000 years ago. There's truth in it today. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Verse 18, and don't be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Read on. Speaking to yourself or speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God, the Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of the Lord. Do you know what that is? That's an example of drinking. It's an example of being full of the Spirit. It means you're taking... i got to read. There's another version I wrote down, Ephesians 5.18. Let me read this one. This is in the Message Bible. Don't drink too much wine. That cheapens your life. Drink the Spirit of God, huge draughts of Him. <laughs> Isn't that good? Drink the Spirit of God, huge draughts of Him. I don't even know if I know what a draught is, but I get it in the context. It means take in big doses of the Holy Ghost. Sing hymns instead of drinking songs. Anybody ever sing drinking songs? Maybe don't raise your hand. <laughs> well, you know, don't stop doing that. Just sing them in the Holy Ghost. Get full of Him and let it come out. Sing songs from your heart to Christ. Sing praises over everything. Any excuse for a song to God the Father in the name of our Master, Jesus Christ. So, Get full. Get full. These are things, obviously you can do them in church. We always say, you know, be free, get full. But honestly, a lot of this stuff happens in your home. This is daily stuff. Getting full. Getting full when you're vacuuming the house. 
I'm, I'm like dangerous right now. Because like about a year ago, we bought a cordless vacuum. And now we fight over who gets the vacuum. It's so much fun. You just kind of whip around. I'm like, I'm not limited by any cord. It's like the mic. Remember when they lost the cords on mics? I was like, wow, praise the Lord. This is so good. Go everywhere. You could be vacuuming your house and drinking of the Spirit of God. Do you know that? You can be doing mundane things that, that like are just seem normal every day, but you know you can bring life into them. Putting your attention on the Spirit of God. I, I think I've told this before, but one time I was, I was at home, and if you've ever been to our house, our kitchen, you can see it from the front door. There's, you know, the door has kind of, a, kind of an oblong window that's kind of fractured glass around it. Not fractured, but whatever. Anyway, you can look through the front window, and you can see right through to the kitchen. And I, was, I think I was making Christmas caramels, which is a tradition in our family that I make every year. I was making them, and if you've ever made caramels, there's, there's a lot of waiting to be done in making a batch of caramels because you get to heat all the ingredients up to boiling, and then you boil them until the temperature reaches 241 degrees and a half, I think, is the magic number somewhere like that. I got it written down. But anyways, you're sitting there for a long time, stirring it and watching it. So I was all alone, and I'm stirring the pot, you know, waiting for it to kind of boil and stuff, and I'm just praying, having myself a time, and, and, and uh, you know, I was praying in the spirit, and stirring my stuff, trying not to spit in it, don't worry, I didn't, but, but uh, I just started, just lifted my hands up, and I just started dancing in the kitchen, of all times, for that FedEx man to come. <laughs> you know what you do in things like that? You know, nowadays they just ring the bell and they run, but but back back then they, they you know they were waiting for a response. So I just I walked up to the door and acted like nothing was wrong. Said, "Oh, thank you." That's what you do when you find yourself in situations like that. Just act cool. Then they wonder if they really saw what they saw. <laughs> be full of the word, and be full of the spirit. Are you hearing that this morning? Nobody can do this for you. Wouldn't that be silly if your lunch was sat before you today and you said, you know, would you eat that for me? I know somebody might eat it for you, but you wouldn't get anything out of it. <laughs> might be okay? Sometimes, sometimes. That's what we, we, we went on a missions trip one time, and uh, you know the rule of a missionary? is you always eat everything that's set before you. Do you know that? Really, I hated that rule in Haiti sometimes because, anyway, but, but Dana and I went on a mission trip. Some of you went with. We went to Switzerland one year, and uh, it was a tremendous place to go. When we, we helped a church. We, our main mission when we went there was to help, help the church evangelize the area, and it was tremendous. You know, we went out every day, and we witnessed the people, and then we had meetings at night. And some of the most picturesque um, buildings, we had these healing meetings, and they were, they were great. And, uh, of course, though, these, these this families in this church, you know, they all took care of us. We stayed with people in the church, and, and they were feeding us, and they just, oh, they were pulling out all the stops. I mean just amazing food, but they would just like heap our, they would dish our plates up and just fill them up. So Dana would sit there and watch 
When nobody's looking, she'd shove half her food on my plate. It's the only time I've gone on a missions trip and gained weight. But uh, anyway, you can get full. God's idea of being full. Let me read a couple scriptures. Luke 6:38. Given it'll be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Will he put in your bosom? With the same measure you use it, it'll be measured to you. See, God's idea of full is not the same as the potato chip factories and the cereal factories. Okay, they have a full box of cereal and you open it up and it's half empty. That's not God. He says, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Pastor Stephen did it one time with dog food. Dog food's the same way. There's so much air in the bag. I guess there's maybe a purpose. I don't know. But anyway, God doesn't do that. God fills it till it's overflowing. That's his idea, being full, talking about being full of the word and full of the spirit, being full till you're overflowing. John 10.10 says, Jesus said this. He said, the thief doesn't come except to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. I like the Williams translation. He says, I came for people to have life and have it till it overflows. Overflows. Now I got down if Acts 6, 8. I'll read that too. Stephen was full of faith and power. He did great signs and wonders among the people. You get full, things happen. But Psalm 23, I love Psalm 23. Let me just read it. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. You guys like Psalm 23? It's a good living scripture. It says, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Has God ever made you lay down? He makes people lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still water. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, and you anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. How is that? At God's table, he fills the cup till it overflows. Now, that doesn't go good with the nice linen cloth that you have down, but I'm telling you, God doesn't care. He just goes, shh. He has fun. He fills that baby till it's dripping off the sides. That's his idea of full. He wants us full of the word, full of the spirit. It says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let me talk about what full looks like. I'm not gonna, you're not going to look these verses up, but you can jot them down. Mark 5.25, a woman came, pressed herself through the crowd to Jesus, and just said, if I could just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. That's full, folks. That's full. Touched his clothes. Got healed. Acts 5, people lined up in the street hoping that Peter's shadow might fall on them. They'd be healed. That's full. That's being full. Acts 19, 11 and 12 says, Healing and deliverance came by handkerchiefs that Paul laid his hands on. They had handkerchiefs. They brought them to Paul. He put his hands on the handkerchiefs. They brought the handkerchiefs to the sick and to the demon-possessed. And the handkerchiefs laid upon them, drove out the demons, and healed their bodies. That's full. 2 Kings chapter 13, 21. Not even a New Testament example, but it's the example of uh, it was uh, the prophet Elijah. His bones were buried, and they, they, they threw a, a dead man was thrown on his bones 
after he'd been buried. And there was enough power in his bones that raised him from the dead. Did you ever read that story? Folks, that's being full. Ephesians 3.19. Help us, Lord. Ephesians 3.19, it says, To know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you and I, you and I, this is God's will for you and I, that we would be filled with all the fullness of God. Spending time with Him. Drinking huge draughts of the Spirit of God. Being full of the Word. I like in Acts 3.19. It says this. It says, Repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. This is the part I wanted you to see though. It says, So that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Hanging out in the presence of the Lord is refreshing. Is refreshing. It gives you and I life. Almost done. Classic. Isaiah 40. It says in verse 28, Have you not known and have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak. Those who have no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary. Young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strengths. Their strength. They mount up with wings like eagles. They'll run and not faint. They'll run and not be weary. They'll walk and not faint. Sometimes you wonder, how do I spend time with God? Sometimes just sit, sit there and wait in his presence. I remember, I like rocking chairs. Anybody like rocking chairs? Sometimes it's just fun to sit in a rocking chair and wait on God. Rock away with him. Waiting on the Lord. Renewing your strength. Psalm 34.10 says, The young lions, they'll suffer hunger. They'll, suffer, or they'll lack and suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. Coming back to John 7, where we started, verse 37. Remember John 6, talked about eating the word. John 7, talking about drinking, drinking of the Spirit. The truth is that you and I have a river on the inside of us. There's a river that's in you. You get born again, there's a river in you. On that last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, said, if anyone thirsts, anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But he spoke this concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Make it a practice in your day to be aware of the Spirit of God living on the inside of you. Practice his presence. What an idea. 
Just acknowledge him in the things you see. You know, uh, sometimes it's the littlest things, but be aware of him. It'll increase your awareness of his presence by just practicing it. Practicing it. Eating and drinking, staying full, it's the way that you and I are going to shine in this world. It's the way that we're going to be effective in this world. Whatever's going on around out there, I'm telling you what, there's a river of life coming out of us.